I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years. So we have to start the show today with St Mullins. Um, beat Rat Downey early yesterday in an absolutely cracking game, kind of game... Um, burst into life with two goals in the first half and never really let up properly then um, after that but it was the, two, the finish really Rat Downey Earl obviously went a point ahead the game looked like it was going to be theirs even though St Mullins dominated the second half I thought and then James Doyle uh, stepped up usually you hold this for performance of the weekend but <laughs> like that I mean that's it was just incredible his performance in general in the second half um, but the two points at the end my god so it's kind of nice when a, a lesser-known player hits the highlights on TG Cahar. This is what club's all about, yeah. Conan. And then you have, like, you've Rory Jacob tweeting, has there ever been as good a second-half performance in club championship than James Dial from St. Mullins? You have Colin Ryan saying, first time seeing James Dial hurling, he's a fair operator, that score at the end. You have Joe Dooley saying, that was some second-half display from James Dial of St. Mullins. He was literally everywhere. You had Anthony Daly giving him you know, the shout out. It was the same James Doyle that got the, the late goal against Kula when the game was slipping away from St. Mullins. So there you are, James Doyle. <laughs> Take a bow. It, it, was, it was Hollywood stuff, really, wasn't it? Like that last score, that's the sort of thing if you saw in a movie or a TV show now, you'd be like rolling your eyes going, this stuff doesn't it's happen. It's Roy of the Rover stuff. Yeah. Coming on the back of, uh, that was more spectacular, the last one. The one before that, the catch and the score was just incredible. So yeah. one of them 
is Roy of the Rover stuff. But to put two together, in one to equalise in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But he looked in the second half the way he was catching the ball. He looked like an under 21 against under 16s. He looked like he was just on a different level physically, in the air, on the ground, any, any way you want. I was thinking that it was like almost like he had entered the Matrix where he just conquered <laughs> space and time and, you know, he was on a different plane to everybody else. Yeah. Like they were going to slow motion. He could do whatever he wanted yeah. in, this, in this new universe that he created for himself. It was like, I can't believe that he wasn't out the whole time then or in the middle of the way he was dominating. Well, that match. was the thing. That was the move that changed the match for St Mullins was to be bringing him out because it wasn't a game for full forward lines. And big mistake I thought Rat Downey Earl made was not bringing Ross King out until it mm. looked to me like the last five minutes he got a point. He was being starved in there. like, And he's their main threat along with Mark Cavanagh who was running a muck out around the broken play in the half forward line. And Ross could have done the same thing. So like St Mullins tactically made a good change and it won the game for them. And Rat Downey Earl were far too slow to make that um, same change. That looks to me, you know, how, how the game kind of went. I think St Mullins handled Paddy Purcell brilliantly. Um, he was well marshalled. He, he scored obviously a, an unbelievable goal, but in general, um, he was well held um, and he had that bad that bad miss at the end. But I think the Ross King one is the one really, you know, that Rat Downey Earl will look back on that with, you know, regrets. Can't leave your best forward getting maybe four or five touches of the ball and then out of desperation he tried to go for a goal that just wasn't on because he wasn't getting any yeah. ball you know and like you're like you've always been banging on about winter club season you know and like November hurling like it's it's not the time to be inside winning, winning clean ball like you're expecting lovely ball come in like yeah. under no pressure with you, a bounce in front of you, you probably yeah. need your best players out there just getting their hands on it and then seeing what they can do from there because yeah there's, just, there's only 60 minutes as well there's 10 less minutes you need them in the game as much as possible without putting a dampener on this now and this wasn't me that noticed this because I'm not a hurling person but uh, Dermot Gizzy Ling um, pointed out on Twitter that James Doyle's winning score he fouled the ball. Now, you won't know how he fouled the ball, but you yeah. can't catch the ball twice. So he put it on, when he caught the puck out, he caught the ball, put it on his hurl, threw it back in his hand, continued on. Now he's been faced by about four different defenders. So he puts it onto the hurl and he's carrying it along the hurl. And then he throws it up over one of the defenders. Unbelievable skill. But that ball didn't hit the ground and pop back up. That came straight back into his hand. You can't catch the ball twice. Right. Now, in fairness to the referee, it was a very difficult one because he put it into his hand the first time so quick, not long after catching it. And then he, it was obviously that beautiful bit of skill of throwing yeah. it over. I can understand how the referee missed it, but to me it looked like a technical foul and it should have been a draw. Sorry, ah, James. Yeah. Sorry. I'd say the ref was mesmerised just watching it as well. Yeah. I probably forgot. Like, yeah, like, that's the rules and that's obviously like, it's a harsh one, but... It's, it's almost like the equivalent of football when you take 12 steps, but you look purposeful when you're doing it. He looked purposeful. Yeah. He absolutely <laughs> he looked knew purposeful. What he was doing. Yeah, he yeah. knew exactly what he was doing. He got away with it. And that's, look, listen, to be honest, I think on their second half performance, they dominated the puck outs. I think St. Mullins just, just slightly shaded it. I thought Rat Downey were the better team um, in the first half. Marty Cavanaugh was interviewed afterwards. He was brilliant as well, um, as he always is. He says, We got on a roll after the Carlos semi final. We were dead and buried in the semi, and the last puck of the ball got us back into it. From there on, we gathered momentum. Them. Look, we are uh, where we are now. It's just a stuff of dreams. That's interesting. Now, there's only four teams in, in Carlo. So that was the first round, the semi-final. Jeez. And they were beaten in it. And then going into the final, they were rank outsiders against Mount Leinster Rangers and then won that. And then they're outsiders against Kula uh, for obvious reasons. And then they win that. And then they go in as outsiders again against Rat Downey Earl. We thought it should have been 50-50, but they were outsiders and they win that. 
and now they're going in as rank, 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 rank outsiders. <laughs> but I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't be. You know, sometimes as my father says, your name can be written on it. Yeah, you know, it's written in the stars. It's written in the stars for se- it's the only second time a Carlow team has ever made the final. Mount Leinster Rangers obviously won it. Um, I don't know, five, maybe five years ago. And they'll have done it every way, yeah, from being dead and buried in Carlo, coming through Carlo unfavoured, beating Kula, like the team expected to go. We were all talking about a Kula Bally Hill final. Yeah. Winning a thriller then in the semi final, now against the All Ireland champions. Like, this would be the perfect the perfect story for them. But I, I, I love those stories, like that Marty Cavan is talking about. I think it shows that you're never actually that far away from achieving what you, you want to achieve. Like, you know, maybe I'm just kidding myself, but. Like, you know, I've seen it I've seen it in Banner twice in Derry when they've had terrible seasons and they got relegated this year and then go on this amazing run to the semi finals. Just about getting things together. It's momentum at the right time, is the yeah. big thing, the big M. Like I mean, and these late goals to win games, they're the exact things that give you momentum. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's like momentum is a big thing, there's no doubt about that. The other game yesterday on television was Kilku against Derry Gonley. This was a boring game as far as I'm concerned. Two teams that I didn't think were very impressive. Disappointed with Kilku. Um, there wasn't much talk about the goal I thought it was illegal it was an in, an interesting one but I've asked the referee this morning and he says he would have given it so this is a free which is brought up mm-hmm. and instead of going up to where the new free is called for the ball was kicked maybe it wasn't actually on the spot of the first free it went maybe halfway and then kicked yeah. as the Derry Gondley lads kind of were turned their backs running back to, the, to set up in front of the new free and for me that can't be that can't be allowed then can it like I mean but the referee told me this morning he kicked it from a less advantageous position so you actually can so it was the Derry Gonnelly players that were at fault for turning their back on any free so now I kind of accept that Still, it felt a little bit of a weird one. Uh, yeah, I always just thought you could just take a free from behind the line, like, you know, wherever it was, the same with a sideline or something, as long as you refer to her back. Right, so he took it behind forward. the line of the new one. Yeah, and right. I, like, to be honest, when you look back at the replay of the goal, it is a criminal. I think the Derry Gonley players are yeah. spend a lot of time remonstrating with the ref, and you can see, like, uh, has it the fullback who just sort of drifts in the space? He comes from way behind the play and just walks and then suddenly starts running with his hands out and nobody makes an effort to go to him. Meanwhile, the centre-back has gone up with him. Ah, just very sloppy. Yeah, I know. Aaron Brannigan, yeah. So Derry Gonnelly probably were at, their, at, at fault. I thought looking at it, something might have looked a little bit um, illegal, but it wasn't. Derry Gonnelly, like, were well in the game. The 21 chances to Kilku's 14. Kilku, oh, jeez, I thought were very poor. There was none of the, like... It was didn't look like a Mickey Moran team. They weren't pressing up high. They weren't aggressive. They were dropping off, and it w- just seemed like a very laboured, uh, a laboured performance. Because we know Kilku on paper are better Derry Gonley, and they took their chances. Um, they took their chances better, and that was kind of it. They were saved by their goalkeeper Martin McCourt, Martin McCourt, who had an absolutely phenomenal save um, in early in the game from Shane McGullion, the Derry Gonley centre back. My God, what a save that was! He was going. He, you would have thought this was going the other side of the goal and yeah. his weight seemed to shift and he just put up the strongest hand <laughs> you'll ever see at the very last second it was an incredible yeah. save and to stop himself from jumping to the left like yeah. he just managed to jump back instead and yeah as you say his weight had completely gone the other direction and he, he actually saw the fans behind cheering because he probably thought the keeper was gone the ball looked straight on for the top corner and then just this gadget arm that comes out. Because <laughs> uh, it wasn't a soft shot. Like that no. needed to be a strong arm. And just like, I mean, it was a really hard shot. So you needed to have a strong hand on it. So like, I mean, that man's definitely been in the gym over the winter months uh, <laughs> building up their clock. One thing that really annoyed me at the end was you're two points down. 
you've got five minutes of injury time. You're two minutes into injury time. There's about three minutes left. Mm. And Derry Gonnelly need a goal or they need two points. And they start playing a possession game and they're going over and back and over and back. And I counted maybe at least 45 seconds that they ran down on their own clock. Now, they eventually got a point from play. But by the time the next kickout came out then, they had a, a half attack and then, you know, Kilku got a breakaway point to put two in it. But like, I mean... There comes a point where you have to let caution, draw, you know, throw caution to the wind, and that possession game over and back. While it makes so much perfect sense during the game, personally, I think teams overdo it. Mm. Like I think there's a point in a lot of those attacks where a can go in, and a man, you know, takes the easy option of throwing it back or not taking a ball, not risking anything. Yeah. So I do think that the possession game, while it is the correct thing to do not to give the opposition an easy turnover I think it completely o- be overdone but to overdo it at that point of the game mate make something happen at yeah. that point and if you get to, if take your man on draw two men then pass it someone has to come the thing of pa- aimlessly passing it around at that stage of the game I was shouting at the telly going do you want to win this or not like <sighs> yeah like they're, they're definitely too many like this isn't every team there are too many players who who don't want to make something happen, but I I think that that comes from the culture where like you're not allowed to make a mistake and you can't like as much as it's stupid where like they're not doing anything in the end you can't be the person to kick that ball away yeah when you're a point down you don't like you know you don't want to be the person who loses the match they lose the match themselves then because they all don't do anything with it but it's just a culture and like that's interesting like, we've all worked in training on keeping the ball when you're a point up or two points up and running the clock down you know like managing possession but have you ever really worked in a scenario where you're a point down or two points down and you need to get a score against a packed defence and you can't wait like that doesn't seem to happen a lot in coaching like you know like do you go right lads we have 30 seconds to get a score let's go get one it's always just like the other way you're hoping for a moment of inspiration rather than actually have something planned for that or for a goal if you're two points down no I I accept that then Kilku broke away they got a free for overcarrying and it was um, uh, Ryan Johnston that got a fisted point we're allowing that fisted (laughs) point to put two in it I thought Conlick Gilligan was very good after the match he was interviewed and he was kind of smiling going I know a lot of people are against us this (laughs) time I like a fisted point he says (laughs) we know how good a player Conlick Gilligan was um, so we'll allow him that that was an unusual one being the kind of clever footballer I would have thought he'd like to see the the net rattle a little bit more but no he fancies a fisted point I'll accept the fisted point in that scenario it was perfectly right thing to do I don't think he would have done if he was playing back in the day he would have looked for the net or looked for the pass for well, the goal you but didn't know that he loved the fist point I didn't know <laughs> yeah. it either before that um, before he's, that interview great addition though like, he was in the Derry team for what 15 years or something and just great crack as well like you yeah. know more than anything yeah. I don't want to judge Kilku on yesterday because yeah. every game is different you know like I mean but there was a lot of things about Kilku yesterday that weren't good yeah. there's no doubt about that I thought they were better than that and they have, their forwards are too good Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson spends too much time back uh, the centre forward McGinn um, he spends too much time back so they actually tried to play a kick, kicking game into Conor Laverty and Jerome Johnston right they, they're kind of isolated in there and they try to get it down to them quick but what's the point mm. Conor Laverty win it he's not big enough to take his man on so he's going to have to wait for somebody unless they have support they've nothing yeah. and Jerome Johnson's not the biggest fella in the world so unless they get their shape right and go okay that's okay but if Conor Laverty doesn't have someone coming with him yeah. he doesn't have the game to be able to take it from there if you know what I mean he's more of a would he not be better in front of two 
and let him, you know, win an initial ball and then be able to play some intricate, nice little forward mm. play with two inside. Do you get me? Yeah. I just, I don't understand that now. But again, you can't judge them just based off one game because in fairness, Derry Gonnelly were attacking from everywhere as well and their centre-back was getting up there. So, you know, means their centre-forward was following him. You know, it's hard to know exactly without being at the game how Kilku wanted to set up up front. Yeah, like that, that sounds like a tactic for Cahill McShane and Matty Donnelly. Like, you know, who can win the ball and turn yeah, and run past Yeah, that works man. with them because yeah. they can take it from there, yeah. you know. But it doesn't work necessarily with Mark Bradley or no, Ian Brennan. They no. need someone coming off them yeah. that they play with. Exactly. Aaron Brannigan was interviewed after the game and it was a very good interview. And he said it was a brilliant game disagree with that Aaron but uh, I'll start this again it was a brilliant game very tough and very well refereed that's the way we like it nice and tough so we'll be looking forward to the next game now I really like that line that's the way we like it nice and tough <laughs> he says there's nothing else to do in Kilku except play football you go to mass you have a few sheep and that's really all it is so football is absolutely everything to get here again is absolutely brilliant so I don't, to have a few sheep what does that mean have relations with a few sheep or is that that's just a bit of a childish joke but basically it was the picture we were painting here last Thursday about Kilku being a little village and just mad about uh, mad about Gaelic football and that's all that's there and we were comparing it to a mini slock nail didn't know there were all sheep farmers in Kilku as well so they're they're hard men yeah, it is. It's just fitting that Mickey Moore is there with them though. After winning the Ulster three times with Slack Nail, he's come to this little place again in Down who have managed to win the Ulster. And now this is the third time that they're back in it. And I think they might have a good chance. Like, you know, even though they didn't look good the other day, just the Moore factor, the Kilku factor, the Sheep factor. Can't rule them out. <laughs> the sheep factor. That's the first time that's ever been said on this <laughs> on this show. What analysis. <laughs> Obviously it was Paul it was Paul Devlin who sent it forward um for Kilku. Um yeah, so he should be hopefully maybe holding the centre forward position as much as possible, um, if he can. Right, Austin Stacks um were absolutely humiliated. Uh so two seventeen to five points. This is a real standout result and God, thank God none of us went for Austin Stacks last Thursday. Because, uh, we wouldn't have anyways because um, their manager, Wayne Quinlan, said after the game, he said, there's a million things you could put a performance like that down to. You could use the excuse about not having any real competitive games in the last couple of weeks, but I don't believe in that at all. We just weren't at the races. We didn't show up. We had a game plan. We had a lot of homework done on Nemo. But game time, you can't beat game time. Now he's kind of making excuses. He says they seem sharper on the breaking ball. They look more comfortable than us. Their shot accuracy was fantastic compared to ours. Um, One of the lads said they had 31 attacks as opposed to our 10. I'm not sure how accurate that stat is, if it's just one of the lads saying it. But, like, I mean, this has to stop now. This uh, experiment, that's a humiliation for Kerry football especially after East Kerry's performance last weekend, you know, against Dr. Crokes. I know they can't move into the Munster Club, but Dr. Crokes should be the ones moving into the Ulster Club. There'll be only a week after competitive action. They'd still be, you know, a lot more... uh, They'd have a lot more, uh, you know, competitive football recently. Austin Stacks hadn't played since the end of September where they're out of the championship. When you go out of the championship, let's be honest, you're not looking after yourself for the next month. It's a stupid uh, rule. And with East Kerry looking like they could dominate club football in Kerry for the next maybe five years, well then this needs to be changed back. Winning a county title back in April when every club might not be, you know, at full at full tilt, um, you know, should not be a way of getting into the Munster Club football. Yeah. D- does it take away from the county championship though if 
you know, maybe it's a, maybe, that maybe that's the carrot that's trying to give the county championship in April more relevance, yeah. and they're using that to say, look, well, it's more prestigious now. You're going to represent, but and the evidence of this, it's not that's not good enough. Because let's be honest, Austin Stacks played until the end of September. What if you're you're out? You know, a little bit earlier than even even than that. You know, so yeah. like I mean, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Like, there's no way the Kerry champions should be getting destroyed to the point where Nemo Rangers manager Paul O'Donovan said, "We have 35, 36 in a panel, and some of the best test tests we have is our A versus B games." Now, I don't think he meant that as an insult to Austin <laughs> Stacks, but if he's talking about the best test they get being their B team ahead of the Kerry champions. Well, that's a wake-up call for the Kerry... <laughs> no, but it is. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a wake-up call for the Kerry County Board. And you'd, you'd be disappointed with Austin Stacks for going there and being hammered like that. Yeah, and like, you know, Kerry obviously had uh, like a team in the All-Ireland Final last year. It's not long since they, they won it, the All-Ireland Championship. Now they're out in the first round, losing by 18 points. Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird. I can see why they don't want to... Because then it just becomes like a pre... Not a pre-season tournament, but just a tournament in April that, doesn't mean as much. Yeah, but it doesn't mean as much. It was all the other ones. Always the big. It's always yeah. the big one, you know. So yeah. it just doesn't mean as much. Maybe it gives the teams club football in April and what more? Like, is that not enough? You yeah. know, you know that should, it should serve serve its purpose as that. Clamell commercials won a dower game. It's been described as we're going to talk to Seamus Kennedy um, in part two of this. Seemed to be a battle, anyways. Um, they beat Milltown by thirteen points four years ago. The last time we were in it, so it looked like Milltown had their homework done. Uh, definitely on them. So we'll talk to Seamus. Um, we'll talk to Seamus about about that. Co- commercials obviously play Nemo in the final round. That's a repeat of the 2015 final. That commercials won with a goal two minutes into injury time. 62nd minute, Seamus Kennedy kicks a long ball into uh, Michael Quinlivan. Goal. Clamell commercials, All Ireland uh, or Munster champions at that stage. Saturday night, then they have Connell back in the final. First final since 2010. John McEntee was all praise for them. They had a good solid defensive structure and we probably needed to be 6-1 up. Um, As it turns out, Nave Connell went 6-1 up and then he continued on. They got the dream start they wanted and then they could defend it and we just kept running into trouble. We forced it. We were trying too hard without being smart about it. And he says, they're a good team. They can defend and they know how to break defences down. I suppose we didn't play how we wanted to play. We didn't play to our own standard and that's the bit that would disappoint us. So, like, I mean, you know, the better team won. There's no doubt about that. Even even though Clontibret just not n- not good enough for Nave Connell, it's fair to say. Just the better the better team won. Like they they, yeah. they dominated the first half, and even though Clontibret got back, you know, within striking distance, and never really looked like they could beat them. No, like in the um, they're just supremely fit, Nave Connell, and they smothered Clontibret's kickouts. They like they they have pace as well. Like actually, after like you know thirty forty minutes of watching it. It's like, ah, oh, c- come on, Clintibbert. Like, you know, Neve Connor is so good at keeping the ball. And when you're sort of looking for the game to be a bit closer, you would like to see a few more dispossessions. But the way Neve Connell brick, it just pushes the yellow jerseys back behind the ball. Yeah. And that always gives him space behind. And after a while, you're like, can someone just take a risk? You know what's going back. Can someone try and cut that off? But they never did for 60 minutes. And If you attack, this is the thing. Like, I mean, you can defend with everyone, you can attack with everybody and you can leave loads of space without any sweeper if you're sure that you will never give the ball away at yeah, the other end. And Dave Connell don't give the ball away yeah. generally at the other end. They're supreme at, they're supremely coached at holding onto the ball and not giving it away. Mm. And without that risk of that turnover ball, sure you can ta- attack with everyone. Yeah. And you're safe in the knowledge that you can attack with everyone. 
and when you attack with everybody and if the ball, ball does get broken down they're just programmed to follow that ball back mm. everybody everybody <laughs> you know? and then they are just, it's basketball really isn't it it's it, it, like they're just and they're so mean in defence like, like very few teams I'd say love defending as much as they do like they yeah. just get such a kick out of it and they get their bodies on the line and look this and, and don't they just they are a defensive team no matter how, I know um, they, they like to say that they're not an own McGettigan uh, said in after the match we'll talk about him in performance of the weekend he was talking about them being a little bit more offensive in Ulster but they are a defensive team and I, I think they should own that and say that's what we are but we're bloody good at it and at yeah. this time of the year that's not easy to be but they've a lot of very good footballers and a lot of players that are really really good on the ball you know comfortable on the ball mm. whether you might like to see them being a little bit more um uh, I don't know offensive or maybe take a few more risks there's a lot of throwing it over and back and waiting and waiting and then they can pop up and just see yeah. a two on one and, and score like it's, a, yeah, it's obviously a 10 year old argument they, they should just be like as you say owning it they're, they're defensive teams like they're in Ulster final like they, they don't care about anything else yeah. they don't owe us anything or, or anything else and it's actually amazing yeah nobody seems to want to take a stupid shot like there's normally somebody in a club team who will panic and just kick it away but Anthony Thompson seems to be on the ball all the time. <laughs> like it's usually a hand pass into somebody else, and then it comes back to him. And wherever he is in the pitch, he seems to be con- controlling everything. And yeah. then McGettigan just adds that bit did, of touch did, of class. Did you see this point that Plunkett for Ballantubber scored against Corrafin the other day? He just came up from centre back, and from about five meters inside the forty-five, he just kicked over lovely yeah. score. Those points are on all the bloody time. Yeah, all the time. Why don't lads try for those? Like, uh, Kieran Thompson got a, a spectacular one. Those kind of shots are on. Remember Tony Tony uh, Kern got one against Clontibbert when he came on. Yeah. Why don't let's just go for a shot from there? More. The amount of times they're turned down is just incredible just for a recycle. It's like, I don't know. I don't get it because you don't get enough space. You imagine if you get into space, right, I've kicked <laughs> points from here before. Yeah. I might try one here, from here. And get my name on the score sheet. What's wrong with getting your name on the score sheet from a bit of a distance? Because the risk is you, you won't score, and there's a lot wrong with kicking the ball away. Then, like you know, and, yeah. and you're like, yeah, kick yeah. it dead, kick it dead. Kick it dead. Nothing wrong with kicking it but dead. That's the thing. Like, that's what you're always told. Like as long as it goes dead, that's fine. But like it doesn't always go dead is the problem. And yeah. I always remember someone asking Paddy Bradley, "Why do you kick the ball so high?" And he's like, "Well, because coaches have been telling me my whole life to not drop it short. <laughs> you know, that's even for free kicks, he would balloon it up into the air, like just to make sure right. he was leaving space between the crossbar and the ball, but." Yeah, like I, I don't like I think when you're when you're coached so much, they get the ball into the scoring zone. It's very easy then to defend that because you know where the team wants to go. Exactly. Yeah. But Desi Moan lined somebody up. He came late onto a break. The ball Saw got moved across. He and just like pretended to shoot and ran past him. There's always space out there. You get yeah. a one on one when you give it out to that side. It's what he wants to do with it. And too often that will be sent back the way it came. Yeah. What and are you going to do with a one on one? The Desi Moan one is a good example because he actually made something happen yeah. when he get it when he got it. Um, so Anthony Thompson, Leo McLoon, uh, Dermot Malloy, Brendan McDyer, Owen Wade, Marty Boyle, Stephen McGrath are all still on the go since Nave Connell were in the final in 2010. That's nine years ago. That's a fair old bunch of that team to, to um, keep together. So great stuff to them. Um, Want to give a shout out to Thomas McCurtains, who won the British Junior Football Championship. Um, they asked me on Twitter and there's a few leash lads on it I wasn't aware of they won the British 
uh, Junior Football Championship. Congratulations to them. There won't be a cow milked in wherever. <laughs> I was panicking there. So I was like, here, this wasn't on the notes, really. Am I going to have to start talking about Thomas McCurtains? I just, I just wrote it down. Two other big results in the intermediate hurling was Toreen from Mayo beat, um, beat Kinvara from Galway. So that doesn't happen every day of the week, even though I think Toreen won it a couple of years ago. And the big one in the intermediate hurling was in Ulster where Owen Rua of Tyrone beat Nevena. Um, from Antrim 220 to 220 in normal time Naveena won it on penalties what was the score on penalties 1-0 <laughs> <laughs> like I mean every penalty missed um, except for Cormac Ross so congratulations to Cormac Ross everyone else stunk it out of it but you held up your side of the bargain scored the penalty um, I suppose when you're wrecked at that stage and the hur- then again a hurling penalty you'd imagine out of 10 penalties there should be more than Jesus, one yeah. so the one at 1-0 it was their first ever Ulster Intermediate Hurling title so maybe there was some nerves um, out there so Owen Rua from Tyrone uh, or Nevena sorry from Antrim so congratulations to them that's amazing yeah they went on that run in the football last year as well and now their hurling's obviously going well fair play to them yeah exactly uh, so Parik Choice Talked about him last week and his Colin Parkinson-esque predictions for Galway. So he um, came on f- f- in the second half when Killer Aaron uh, Juniors um, beat, uh, I'm not sure who they beat actually, oh they beat uh, Loch Ray, 115 to 15 points. And then I was wondering, Parik Joyce is only a year older than me, why the hell is he not on their junior team? How is he only coming on for the juniors? So he kicked several good points and he won a penalty for his brother Tommy who remember played for Galway mm-hmm. as well um, so I thought that was an interesting one unless obviously he's not training but sure we all know you don't have to train at junior level if you're an ex-inter-county player that's the rules Where surely yeah. those rules apply at junior level Parik Joyce has showed up jeez he hasn't been here with us all day number 11 yeah. <laughs> that's fine like, yeah. uh, and then you say to the centre forward look come on you can't <laughs> yeah. I'll deal with you after yeah well like, he also he can just go to number 10 and then you can worry about the number 10 after like, you oh, know. number 15 gets pushed out yeah. maybe or whatever there'll be one of those six forwards knows Look, the team's stronger with him on it. Yeah, and like you're safe when it's Parik Joyce. This isn't like, you know, <laughs> somebody who hasn't been training and he gets your place in the team. Like nobody's going to listen to this lad bitching and moaning afterwards. No. That Parik Joyce played imagine, ahead of imagine him. Imagine being in the pub after his after win saying after Joyce coming after Joyce starting and winning the game for you. That's bullshit. Yeah. He should never <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking joke there. He should never have started. What? And you yeah. instead? Everybody will just turn away from him, like, you know. <laughs> that is one argument you will never win. You have to take your medicine. Um it would be terrible if it was you, it has to be said. But <laughs> listen, that's the way that's the way the world works. Last one uh have here, Conan, is Graham Garrity's medals have been stolen. You hear about this every now and then, um, with different uh players. none of the others jump to my mind now. Maybe they'll jump to your mind, but I've definitely read it read it before. Um Graham Garrity's wife said on Facebook there's not much uh they're not worth much in monetary value. But it took blood, sweat and tears to win these over a period of 11 years. So one minor, two under 21s and three senior, a lifetime of memories uh, taken. We will gladly give you the cash for the gold shops. We'll give you for them and more. Um, so I didn't think Graham Garty won three senior, uh, three senior All-Irelands. He won one in 96 and 99. Um, one minor anyways that's only a, that's only a small detail but I don't know are all our medals worth anything what are you going to do with them just yeah. give them back then again the type of people who rob these houses beat up old people the chances of them feeling bad about this and yeah. realising they're not they'd 
could be thrown into a river or something. So the only thing you could do is appeal to anyone that knows, you know, who did yeah. it or whoever they are. What's the point in keeping them? You're not going to get anything for them and it'll be worth more to you if you give them back. So I suppose that's the that's whatever appeal for my favourite footballer growing up. When I read it, I just yeah. went, ah. It's shite. Yeah, it is shite. It is shite. Right, okay, we'll come back with Seamus Kennedy. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glenroy on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you yeah. Alright, so yesterday's Munster semi-final was described as the Kennedy show. The three brothers scored the last four points of the game to bring Clonmel commercials from two down to win by two. Seamus Kennedy joins us on the line now. Not, not a bad ring to that, is there Seamus? The Kennedy show. Yeah, not a bad <laughs> ring to it, I suppose. I'll, um, no, I'm actually not related to Jack O'Connell though, is the only catch to, to that. Um, they're actually John Kennedy's sons um, that hurled with tip in 89 and 91 and Coleman is their brother so the three boys are brothers and um, I'm not related to them at all, but um, everyone makes that mistake. <laughs> Jesus, so, yeah. I'm always known as John Kennedy's son. <laughs> What's always said, but uh, no, the three boys are brothers anyway, and uh, I'm blowing. Right, so it was Conal. It was Conal's score in the 56th minute that kind of set you off. You were you were two down at that stage. He scored a screamer from 55 yards out. Yeah, Jeff Connell, Yeah, he's the youngest of the the three boys. Um, you know. And, Great, I'd like to him breaking through. I can really add to the kick, as you said, an absolute wonder score. Like he did, I don't know, three or four lads on the touchline. Um, unbelievable score and really got us going because it had been a bit of a stalemate in the second half until then. We couldn't break um, Milltown down in fairness and uh, that really got us going. Well, that was it because the last time you were in Munster, you hammered Milltown. So did they go kind of defensive? Judging by the scoreline, you'd imagine it was a, it was a defensive game. Um, yeah, I don't think it really was, to be honest with you, but in fairness, we played Milltown in... Um, 2015 and I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure but I think it would have been their first county final their first one in the world and it was their first time into Munster and um, we had been there a couple of years beforehand and we kind of got off to a good start in Camel that day and even though we went on to win Munster that year that was probably the best we played all year was probably that day against Milton and right. they were probably hurting a bit from that as well and um, down there it's very different conditions as well like there was a very strong breeze yesterday so like they scored a point in the second half against the Breeze. We only scored three against us in the first half, playing against it, you know. So it was just one of those kind of days where you just had to dog it out. And thankfully, we got there. But I don't think it was an overly negative game, really, at all, to be honest with you. Like, both teams did go for it. It was just one of those games that was low scoring. Right, right. Because it just turned into a battle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, the wind was so strong down there. Um, um, so it was just very hard to score into the top goals there. Um, but yeah, turned into a real battle and it, look, it's great. Uh, probably our experience has been a monster a couple of times more than they had the last couple of years maybe showed us all this. 
and we were just delighted to get over the line. And we knew coming down it was going to be like that, you know, that it wasn't going to be a repeat of a couple of years ago as it was in Clannad. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, you're used to tight games, I suppose. Your county semi-final was fairly um, fairly dramatic. Uh, you, it went to extra time and you needed to pull a few scores. I think you scored the last three points of the game. You got two of them um, to get over that line. So it's not, you, you've been in games. Obviously, I'm thinking of the Munster final in 15 as well, where you got the, last, the goal in the last minute against Nemo as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've been on the end of a few good results like that in tight games. But as you said there, the Lockmore game has really stood for us. Like that was a, a cracking game of football. Like, you know, finished one, I don't know, there's 115 apiece or something after an hour thing or something like that. And um, it, it's never easy against them. And they, they do test you in every single way, like in fairness to Lockmore and it actually went either way. So, and that game has really stood for us. Because, you know, if you're getting over a game like that against Lockmore, you know, you add doing something right. And um, again, like the, the best thing about yesterday was even though we hadn't scored for the first 15 minutes of the second half, there wasn't any panic, um, which was great to see as well, you know. I see I see your manager, Charlie McKeever, said something about that you, you started kicking the ball near the end of the game. Like, I mean, there can be an overemphasis of, of possession, on possession. I was watching Kilku, Derry Gonley. I wouldn't say you saw that, but this kind of idea, I know possession is important, but you can overdo that too without without taking a risk and just getting it in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we finally got or broke Milltown down that way. And that, that's probably a bit of credit to them as well. They um, they targeted a lot of their kickers and they put an awful lot of pressure on us high up the field um, and didn't let us break out from the back um, as well as we'd have liked. But eventually they kind of got Jack on a bit of ball and got Michael Cunliffe in, um, inside and kicked ball into the, himself and Sean O'Connor and started winning it and the runners came off them then. So it was probably down to probably us finally getting going, but as well, Milton had defended us really, really well and didn't let us kick the ball in as well. Um, so it was a bit of a combination of both. But as you said, we finally got there in the last 15 minutes. In, we, in fairness to us, we probably did do all the pushing and looked more likely to score. What are, what are you doing to poor Michael couldn't live in? He's dying to go away travelling and you keep winning matches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it's a problem for him anyway that he can push it out <laughs> by a few weeks. <laughs> there won't be too much sympathy if um, we can get over the line the next day for him. But um, I know, look, in fairness, um, it's just one of these things, isn't it? But um, look, hopefully he has to delay it by a couple of weeks. Oh, he'll delay it and then he'll have the big hold up over Christmas then, hopefully, for, from your point of view. And he won't get going until next uh, next March or whatever, whenever the, oh no, the final's in January. But sure, look, we're, we're not going to look too far ahead. Um, here, <laughs> yeah. Come here. What, what's it like getting back into the football after playing hurling all year? You know, at such a high level. Do you need a bit of readjustment to get your eye back in? I know everyone talks about getting your eye back in for hurling, but do you need to do it the other way, coming back to football? Yeah, definitely, definitely do. Um, um, like so you go a few months without kicking the ball or something like that. It can go anywhere, you know. So it, it does take a couple of weeks, but um, no, look, I love getting back to back to commercials. Um, as I said, like I've been hurling all year with St. Mary's and with Tip and it's great to just freshen things up, you know, for a couple of months and you're really looking forward to them. I suppose when you're involved with such a good team as well and good lads there as well, that really makes it like just some brilliant club lads there as well involved with commercials and, you know, when you get on runs like we did in 2015 and like again here now this year, like it just, it really shortens the winter like and it keeps the body ticking over too as well and uh, 
no, I love playing football as well, so really enjoying it. Well, that's the thing, see, because you're from, play, obviously play with Clonmel Commercials and Clonmel is a big footballing part of Tipperary and I was thinking you were a football man playing hurling, but it's not that at all. You're a hurling man playing football because I was reading some quotes when you were called back in. You played with the footballers in 2015 with Tipperary and then you were called into the tip squad by Michael Ryan. The decision was a no-brainer for me, even though I grew up in Clonmel playing with commercials. We were very successful. The only thing I wanted to do was playing hurling with tip. I'm very disappointed here, Seamus. You're actually a hurling man, not a football man. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I suppose growing up, as you said, in, like I played as much hurling and, as I did football, and at times probably a lot more um, football because commercials were successful. We were reasonably su- successful with um, St. Mary's, um, but not to the same degree as they were with commercials. But look, my dream in life was always to play um, hurling for, for Tip, and that probably came from Dad who bringing me to matches, and Dad is a massive um Tipperary Ireland fan as well and um, so it was always going to tip matches and things like that and um, I always absolutely loved it it's just there wasn't as much um, hurling play down around Clamell in school and right, like that so um, yeah I went to school in Turles CBS then for a couple of years and just really kind of that kind of really pushed me on I suppose to make the minor panels and things like that Yeah so you, obviously football's the poor relation in Tipperary but in Clonmel the hurling is the poor relation but Mary's, Mary's who you play for you've won two minors and an intermediate in the last couple of years so you seem to be on the rise Yeah we have you know, certainly won two county minor A titles which would be fairly unheard of for a South team um, and especially a, a Clonmel team it was our first ever A hurling uh, title like you know so um, it was an unbelievable breakthrough for us and, and it's followed up the following year with a lot of the same group of lads and uh, they're just an exceptional bunch um, so we, and we brought through a good few then the intermediate and we got up to senior we're in senior B now have had a kind of two disappointing years in senior B so just hoping that we can kind of kick on again maybe you know with, with all those guys that when they get that bit of experience and settled in college and you know that kind of stuff um, so a lot of them have moved away to college and work in different places like that so and I hope that maybe they'll kind of settle down now again and much call it will drive things on again because as I said they're a great group there's a lot of great good hurlers there yeah. and a lot of them are playing football as well so hopefully this year like you know they have t- another taste for success again will we'll help that Right okay so they'll be choosing the football when they're in Clonmel I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure um, Come here just talking <laughs> about the foot, the football being the poor relation in Tipperary I, I, I saw it was Eamon Corcoran um, was J.K. Bracken's uh, chairman and he was giving out about the the final being on like at half two on a Saturday and maybe that's to, to save or not to put the, it on the same day as a Munster uh, club semi-final and just seemed like a, a poor time to have the showpiece football comp, you know final in Tipperary on at a time when people would be working and everything what's your thoughts on that or, or will football ever get equal standing in Tipperary? I don't really know to be honest with you I don't know the ins and outs for putting the game on the Saturday what like I'm not 100% sure what the because the Munster Club is on the Sunday. I actually don't know. It is this point because the county final, I suppose, was between two town teams in the football history. So you have Templemore and Clamwell. So there's a lot of people with businesses and things like that or part-time jobs for supporters or brothers and sisters of players that want to go watch the game. So probably not ideal, um, you know, um, in that regard. Great for the players you want to take Monday off. <laughs> yeah. Not ideal not ideal for um, people trying to go to the game and uh, promoting as you said their football in the county but um, I don't know what the ins and outs for that decision really like so it's uh, above my pay grade 
Yeah, no, well, that's fair enough. Come here, I want to talk to you uh, before we finish up about the year with Tipperary, obviously. Um, you were out of favour for the start and Tipperary were destroying teams in Munster and I'm sure you were thinking, Jesus, here's a new manager. Does he fancy me or am I ever going to get in there? Yeah, I suppose um, t- the last start of the Munster championship so well and um, it was just so many lads were playing so well at the time and training and everything. Like The, the panel was, was seriously competitive and um, I knew I wasn't a million miles away but just at the time I wasn't playing as well as I needed to be um, to to be as the other lads were like and look the way the championship is now under hurling it's a long year with a lot of games but you just have to keep at it and, you know thankfully I got a chance and you know got in but um, as I said it was probably more down, due down to how well lads were playing in training and that it was just hard to break in really and um, you know Liam was very open and he you know, for for feedback and that kind of thing. So I never lost faith or anything like that. You know, right. it was great. So it was great to have that. You know, that if I kept doing my thing or getting to the level that I knew I could get to, that you know I could get a chance here. And thankfully, I did. Yeah. So you got the chance, obviously, for the Munster final. That didn't actually go well. The result, but like, I mean, was that just from literally from starting to perform better in the in the training games? Yeah, yeah, it is exactly. And in fairness, Liam and the lads are very good that way. That it is who's doing this stuff and uh, Dr. Morris on uh, Tuesday and Thursday or whatever nights for training like they're the lads that are going to play like so you know going to training is that if you're doing your stuff you're going to be in with a good shout and thankfully I picked up a bit of form as the summer wore on and, and got my chance Right okay so I think you came in then you were late call up you weren't in the, in the programme for the Munster final or the All-Ireland semi-final and you were picked full back against that I don't think you played full back um, in that game it was almost like he picked an entire defence of halfbacks against Wexford <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a horses for courses uh, yeah. um, back in RHS. So, yeah, look, I found out during the weekend. Um, it was delighted to get the call. And, you know, it's great to be playing in those big games. And especially the way the Westwood game turned out, the, the way we, we just ground out a victory. Um, you know, it was a really special day um, up in Pro Park. So I was absolutely delighted. And to keep the spot down for the final, it was, it was great after a long year, you know. Yeah, exactly. You were in. You're involved in cl- real classics against Galway. You you won and lost those ones, but that Wexford game must must have been u- unique. Yeah, it was very unique, and I think even meeting the Tipperary supporters after that game, a lot of them, the older Tipperary supporters, felt that that was one of their best days in Pro Park, which felt a bit surreal and that it wasn't a final. And but I just think the the way they saw or they saw us dig in, and we were down to fourteen men, and everything seemed to be going against us. That they just the emotion after that game was huge and um, you know, it did really hit home that like um, it was a special victory like cause that, that is a really good Wexford team that are, are really coming strong you know Yeah no exactly and come here just like I suppose on the, on how Wexford play because we, there was a lot of talk recently about you know Waterford and Wexford and they were maybe defensive but Wexford have kind of changed it up a little bit with the cornerbacks attacking and, you know, attacking from their half-back line a lot. And for me, we talk about it on the Hurling Show here that I think Davey borrows some tactics from Gaelic football, which you would probably be very well aware of from, you know, playing with Tipperary and Clonmel commercials. Do you see some sort of crossover in the tactics now? And you see Kieran Donaghy with Galway and apparently he's working on some movement up front, you know, with maybe a two-man full forward line. Do you see all that kind of talk coming in? Yeah, well, not, to, not much so much talk, but I just, I just think there is a, a, an overlap in a lot of the stuff that's going on. Like, I think especially in the teams are valuing possession a lot more. Like, as you said, they're at Wexford, Walford, even Limerick, like, you know, they, they rarely ever waste the ball, you know, and well, that's the way football has gone as well. Like, cause if you lose the ball in football, you could, be, you could be a long time waiting to get it back, you know. 
And um, definitely teams are starting to value the ball a lot more and trying to use it a lot more precisely, I suppose. But um, yeah, there's definitely a bit of a crossover, all right? And even things like tackling, I find now in the back, like there's, you know, there's, there's a big crossover. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it develops again. What would the crossover in tackling be? Because uh, hurling tackling always kind of interests me in that you can't actually put your hands on the man, right? So in football, you, you know, you'd be able to stand a lad up a lot more using your body. Yeah, exactly. But you can do that a lot too, I suppose, in the hurling. You can stand a lot up. And just even being, I think, as touch tight in the football. You know, in football, you're absolutely touch yeah. tight. Uh, say a cornerback or whatever. And in hurling, like if, you're, if you can be that tight and just the movement of a corner forward and things like that, it, it, can, it can really help, you know, to, to stop them getting possession and things like that. And, and then, you know, the forward has to play the ball too. So it's saying in football, so like four or five, six or seven steps, whatever forward gets now. Um, you know, so you're trying to wait to see like what they're going to do, and then can you try and pounce and take it off and things like that. So I just think there's a crossover in that kind of that regard, anyway. Um, you know, is that is that is that the thing in hurling? Traditionally, hurling defenders went out to hurl rather than go out to man mark defenders. Do you know what I mean? They wanted to hurl their own patch or you know be on the ball a bit more. That they didn't. It's it's just not the culture in hurling to actually say I'm giving up my game completely just to mark him out of it. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it has been, and but I think you you find now like a lot of teams have a guide to do a job maybe on a player and things like that as well. So most most teams probably have a player that they can pick on if they or to call on if they need to do a job on a certain player. To just look, you're there to spy them for for the hour. I'm afraid they're not going to do a whole pile of hurling. And I think every team probably has those type of players. Um, you know, so um, it's an impo- it's important too. Um, the art of defending is a, is a difficult one, you know. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Come here, you mentioned steps, and straight away, which jumped to my mind, was the Ballyboden uh, centre back. Was it Nelson? Nelson? It was in Portlaoise in fifteen. I, I counted at that time fifteen steps. I don't want to drag up a bad bad memory. Yeah, you had to bring it up, didn't you? <laughs> well, you brought up the steps, so it's just a natural thing for me to have said. It's not down in my notes yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's be honest with you. It's just. The one game I just haven't been able to watch back. It's just more than farshing. I have to take the ground. But, um, yeah, look, it, it felt at the time that he'd taken an awful lot. Um, as I said, I haven't watched it back or anything like that. But it's frustrating. Alright, it is frustrating. But look, we probably should have seen out the game. Besides that, anyway, you know, we were three points up going into injury time and should have seen the game out. But um, so. I don't know, disappointing one. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, to, just fi- to finish up, Sir Nemo obviously hammered Austin Stacks yesterday. It's hard to even know what to read into that, you know, with Austin Stacks um, being the champions from back in April and not having played since since September. Nemo will obviously owe you one, uh, Seamus. You gave in that long ball into um, Michael, who got the goal two minutes into injury time, I think it was, back in 15. So, that, look, it sets up a great, a great uh, final with two footballing teams. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we've often played Nemo in challenge matches before and things like that. And it's, they've always been great games. You know, look, they're there nearly every year or close to it, like for a reason. They're, they're a serious side. And, you know, their team their, their team has changed since the few years as well. You know, the likes of Mark Cronin and these guys in as well. So they're going to take a lot of watching. And we're under no illusions to how good they're going to be like. But um, as I said, like we have a lot of players, good players as well, good quality. And we've been knocking around for a couple of years as well. And, Look, absolutely, they lost one, but um, it's look, we're just really looking forward to it and delighted to get over yesterday. But um, yeah, looking forward to Nemo as well. It's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah, come here, listen, best of luck uh, with it, Seamus. Thanks very much for taking the call. No bother at all. Thanks very much. Bad boys, what you want, what you want, what you want.
there's a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down the store street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> 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 and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> okay, Conan, so Paddy Power performance of the weekend and our first nomination at Kim's as no surprise is James Doyle. Um, you know, we've talked enough about his performance. He was interviewed after the game. Um, and he was talking about Michael Ryan, their selector, who um, who had a heart attack, I think, on the line with the win over Kula. Um, and he's recovering in hospital still. So he says, I'd say he's a happy man now. To be honest with you, it's all for him. He's a great club man. And I'd say he's delighted up there now in Dublin. It was fantastic, I suppose, to have that on the television on TG yeah. Cahir so that... Um, He's sitting up in the hospital and we know they don't have Sky Sports up there yeah. in all those hospitals. Isn't that the, arg- isn't yeah, that yeah. the argument? So they all have TG Cahar anyways. And he was sitting up, I'm sure, in the bed watching that cheering them on. What? She's lucky he didn't get another heart attack towards the end of that match. I don't want to make, I, don't, I, don't, I hope that's not an inappropriate joke. Yeah, yeah. But, um, definitely might have been tough on a lot of St Mullins supporters watching the end of that game yeah so, so when like they were, James Doyle was saying they didn't really get to celebrate then off the back of the cooler one obviously but they can celebrate that I'm sure. and they'll have a few yeah they'll yeah. definitely have a few I don't think at this stage of the game celebrate on the Sunday night the idea that you go on at all day Monday I think all day Monday clubs outside of winning a final they're mm-hmm. gone Yeah, you know, going on at all day Monday after winning a game that's not a final just for me in this day and age feels wrong yeah. you're, you're a booze hound at that stage it's like come on oh yeah you know you're doing it every two weeks then. That's yeah, yeah you're getting your night out uh, uh, why, dogging it with the next day I think is just I think you're overstepping the mark and if I was over a team I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shy about telling them that that kind of thing I'll give you any leeway you want after a game we should all stick together go out Yeah. but the lads that want to wake up the next morning and go on it all the next day unless it's a unless we have a cup on show I'm not interested in you fellas yeah. and hopefully it's a club that doesn't have a whole load of booze hounds and you lose yeah. half your team straight <laughs> <laughs> what was that story if anybody wants to leave now they can leave <laughs> half the team just stroll on out okay um, Aaron Brannigan um, was outstanding for Kilku well he's the best on show for Kilku uh, there wasn't that many other outstanding uh, performances he scored 1-1 he got a lovely point off his left and then got the goal uh, late on kind of there's something about an attacking centre back hmm. uh, there's something about a, a player with a number 6 on his back marauding forward that I love yeah. I don't know I don't care if you're playing wing back and you're wearing just a number 6 maybe it's the fact that you're just bursting down the middle and there's something exciting about the middle being opened up and you're running down yeah. into it we don't see it that much the Derry Gonnelly centre back was able to burst down the middle too I love that. I love that. And I think centre half, I think specialist centre half backs are gone out of the game. Attacking centre half backs are definitely gone out of the game because their job is just to sit in front of the full back line. And I think we're losing a whole incredibly eye catching part of Gaelic football. Yeah, no, it's very exciting when you're half back. I remember before Ulster football changed and I became a forward, I used to be wing back, but sometimes you're playing cornerback, obviously hated it, but. When you were in cornerback, you could see the space opening up, thinking, "Oh my god, I'd love to, I'd love <laughs> to just go into that now." And I think that's the thing with the centre back; he's obviously holding the most important position in defence. But yeah, he knows then when it's right to go, like you know. And then when he does go, he goes for it, like and 
yeah, it's just it's always like it's just always exciting, like yeah. Know. And I don't think it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Like, I mean, your man's going to follow you, run after you. So there is a gap left at centre back. Your midfield drops back there, and this isn't rocket science or horror, incredible, r- risky tactic or anything. Just tell him you whenever you want to go, go when you see it open mm. and go and let the lads that are aimlessly passing it around say when he goes, I want to pop to him, and I want someone else maybe going with him then as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's what all the best centre backs used to do. Like you know, when I think of like Henry Downey and Tom Kelly, you know they. they you and the hold and then you went to go <laughs> Henry Downey yeah. and Tom Kelly will be used of incredible <laughs> Jesus Christ after Donny Kingston and Paddy Bradley used as an example of a Dave, in a David Clifford conversation you pull out Henry Downey and Tom Kelly of all be- time <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have to stop Owen McGettigan um he was outstanding the other night. I think his first point was incredible in that he got his ball, the ball went back to goal. He turned one way and took a fierce hit from the Clontibret number four uh, corner back who ended up back on his arse. McGettigan didn't even look like it, ha- it took one ounce of uh, energy out of him. He just turned back to his left and stroked it beautifully over the bar. <laughs> I was there like, Jesus, how has he made this look like it was, yeah. that was just like a fly hitting off him. It remi- reminded me of Neil McGee when Stephen O'Neill ran at him. Remember that time? Yeah. It was just Neil McGee's just, get off. <laughs> just <laughs> David Moran. Swatted him aside, yeah. David Moran. And then uh, he's able to slot over a lovely uh, point off his right-hand side as well. Now, he didn't play against in the castle Rahan game, but he definitely, um, he's a young player. He definitely looks like a, a top-quality player. Mm. I still wonder, does he even now know that your man tried to nail him? <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. he just didn't seem to have a clue about it. And it was so well timed. Like the ball was in there, you're thinking, oh shit, he's in trouble here. And then it looked like a hospital. You're, you're, yeah. no, you're, you're turning, oh, Wait, don't no, turn that way, uh, you know. Bang. Yeah. And then, oh, what? How did he end up on the ground? <laughs> Meanwhile, he just swiveled the other way. But nine times out of ten, he's on the ground and he's after taking a bad hit. And, you know, he's there's people coming in to resuscitate yeah. him or get him back up onto his feet That's and it. it turned out to be the fella who tried to line him up <laughs> God help that fella when he gets back into the dressing room and some of his teammates realise that this <laughs> is after happening because yeah. they don't take any prisoners with stuff like that um, TJ Reid geez what more can we say about this 2-14 my god um, incredible score and 11 were freeze one sideline one penalty so you do up the mats he got 1-2 from play is there be- a better array of his skills a penalty bang sideline bang 11 frees he's usually flawless goal from play 3 points from play <laughs> like that's just there's no, there's no other type of score you can get there's no hand pass points in yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he got a couple of the points off left and right as well just to show the full array of what that man can do in a hurling field and that's it there's no more what can we say about TJ Reid TJ Reid looks a level above a lot of intercounty players. And we know he, he has his own business, it's a gym. Mm. And he looks on a physical level above all intercounty players at club level. Like you look at Adrian Mullen beside him, he gets a point. Yeah. Adrian Mullen's brilliant. TJ Reid's hitting 214. Now I know he's on the freeze, but at the same time, like he's just this. At club level, it's almost not fair. What do you do? What does a club player do with him? Well, you put your intercounty player on him, but what if your intercounty player isn't even a man marker? You're just putting him on him for the sake of it. You yeah. saw, you know. Uh, Jack Kelly for Rat Downey Errol plays wing back for Leash, he plays centre back. He was on uh, Marty Kavanagh. Just because he's an intercounty player doesn't mean that's his game to be following Marty Kavanagh around everywhere. You know, you'd yeah. nearly be better off playing just a club player who just will completely sacrifice his own game. Mm. He's 32 now as well, and this obviously isn't uh, slowing down. I, I just can't get over how normal it's become that he can contribute 20 points in a match. 
214 like it's LeBron James sort of stats like, you know, it's ridiculous <laughs> no it definitely is talking about there's two nominations two more nominations obviously from the televised games because that's uh, obviously what we were able to see well they're, they're all from televised games except for TJ Reid but that's just outrageous Mark Havanagh got 12 points uh, for Rat Downey Earl. He did everything that he that he could in that game. Seven were frees, one sixty-five and four from play. He was outstanding. One or two pot shots maybe he could have given in to Ross King. Like I mean if you've got your your main scorer um inside you'd like to see your centre forward maybe bring him into play a little bit more. But look when you're not he, he knocked over some absolutely spectacular spectacular points so you can't fault him too much. And Marty Cavanagh then got one nine for St Mullins, one two from play, seven frees. Um, he got an absolutely s- sensational goal. And geez, like I mean, not many club teams have Marty Cavan and James Doyle at eleven and fourteen. Now I wouldn't play James Doyle ever at fourteen, based yeah. on what I saw of him. You'd be playing him number twelve or ten and letting him in around that area all the time. Um, but then him and Marty Cavanaugh, like they're serious, serious individuals. Like the the top level players in the country. Yeah, I would just give yeah James Doyle any jersey and just say go go wherever you want, just win the game <laughs> for us, please. Oh, you know you could play James Doyle midfield, you could play him wing forward, anywhere where you can win your own ball because yeah. he's so good at it. Just go out there and do that. You think maybe he's he's completely wasted um, in the full forward line. So who are we going to give? Well, sure, look, there's no one else we can give performance of the weekend to other than James Doyle. So congratulations to James. Um, even though he technically fouled the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's my leash, my leash hat coming out. Now, listen, I saw Dear Middling actually, he's arguing with people on Twitter about whether, now I wouldn't say arguing, that's what I do. He's debate. he's discussing it. Yeah. And he's actually admitting it's hard. The first time he tips it back into his hand, I think he did, but it's hard even to see on the replay. So obviously, you know, the yeah. referee the referee m- missed it. But James Doyle, great to see him getting some uh, national recognition. So you're Paddy Power Performer of the weekend. Congratulations. And that's all we've time for today. We'll be back on Thursday where we'll preview more. We're into provincial final time next weekend, are we? Yes. Yeah, we are. We've had the Connacht one anyways. Um, I won't throw that at you, at you again. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet on any championship match on live TV. If you're losing first goal scorer, bet gets a goal. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We're running the small little fish out there. So we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm I'm heartbroken. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.